Amen. And welcome. Uh, I do have a sermon outline and small group questions. If you uh, would like them, they are at the exit as you go out or if you want to get up right now and get them uh, to fill in the blanks because that's a part of what it means to interact with the sermon so that you and I can be the men and women of God that he has created us to be. Right now, let's pray one more time. God Almighty, bless us. Remove from us the distractions that would keep us from hearing your word. Lord, forgive us for our sins and be welcomed among us so that we will know you better. And as we know you better, we will therefore love you and trust you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The old gospel song says, Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. God told Joshua to walk around the city of Jericho, to shout and to play trumpets. And Joshua, following this plan, the prescribed number of times for the prescribed number of days, doing this would bring the city of Jericho to its knees. Now let's look at this plan from the perspective of the people of Jericho. Oh my goodness! You're walking around the city? You've been out in the sun too long, boys. What kind of idiot do you have in charge of your outfit? Now let's look at this plan from God's point of view. Joshua, you're my man. I have promised to be with you and not against you. You need to trust my promises, Joshua. Now let's look at this plan from a third perspective, from what actually happened. Joshua 6, verse 20. So the people shouted, and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout. And the walls fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. Then they devoted all the city to destruction. Joshua fit the battle of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down. Somebody's got to know that song, right? Okay, good. Have you ever had a clear promise from the Word of God that your family or friends thought ridiculous. Perhaps your friends encourage you to be anxious with inflammatory Facebook posts. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Perhaps your friends gossip encourage you to be impatient with someone. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. I'm sure your friends never encourage you to be covetous, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Certainly nobody would suggest bitterness. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. Of course, nobody here would be encouraged to depression or despair. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. And there would certainly never be any temptation to lust. 
for sin shall have no dominion over you. To the non-believer, these promises are absurd. How can you believe that? You know these heart sins, don't you? Because these sins exist in you and they come and attack you. In fact, Peter tells us that those around us are astounded that we don't enjoy running with them as they're going headlong into these sins. But I want to remind you this morning of a promise you've heard a thousand times. But it's a promise that I'm afraid many of us have never really incorporated into our hearts. We've failed to experience the blessing attached to it. And this promise is in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Let's get this verse in its context. The preaching point, what Pastor Benji calls the big idea of the whole set of the Beatitudes, is that God's grace is available to any who want it. God's grace is available to you. Let's not miss the most spectacularly, one of the most spectacularly grace-filled passages in the entire Bible. Jesus lays out for us very clearly the impact of the good news on your life and that your life can be blessed, can be successful, no matter how far from earthly blessing your life seems. If we fail to recognize grace in the Beatitudes, the amazing, life-changing, and life-sustaining grace, then the Beatitudes will remain poetic piety or they will become crushing legalism. Grace is the power of the Holy Spirit available to you and through you right now. Grace, rich, soul-embracing, God-glorifying, life-giving, wonder-producing grace oozes out of Christ's sermon. Unfortunately, because you and I are blind and deaf and dumb, so much of the time when it comes to actually reading and bringing God's Word into our heart, we need clarification so that we don't miss the grace-filled point of the Beatitudes. Let's look at them. Matthew 5 3 through 7. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Don't go to the Beatitudes. And look at them one by one, thinking you have to grit your teeth and suck it up so that you can earn God's favor. That is not what the Beatitudes are all about. If you try to earn God's favor, you will fail. 
Furthermore, even if you don't fail in your own eyes, you will become the whitewashed tombs Jesus cursed many years ago. In other words, you will fail. Rather, the Beatitudes are a description. The Beatitudes progress through the awareness, through the thought process of a disciple who engages Jesus in order to become more like Him. That is why Jesus. we must seek Christ, seek Jesus who is the blessing. What does it look like? First, the disciple recognizes that he has nothing to give God with regards to righteousness. He is poor in spirit. This, of course, leads to a mourning that sin and mourning our separatedness from God. She mourns. Such a disciple will find themselves looking at God and away from themselves, which is the distinguishing mark of meekness. Naturally, the meek person, the person who does not seek to defend themselves, will hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will yearn and strive for a right relationship to God, which comes by His grace. And of course, this disciple will be the kind of person who graciously loves to give mercy to the people around them. How do we become poor in spirit? Seek Jesus. He is the solution to our pride. How do we mourn? Seek Jesus. He is the soothing balm for our sins. How do we become meek? Seek Jesus. He is the beautiful one to fix our gaze upon. How do we hunger and thirst for righteousness? Seek Jesus. He is our righteousness. And how do we become merciful? Seek Jesus. Because He is the mercy that you and I desperately need and need to give. And, you know, as a byproduct, as as kind of a bonus for jumping on the deal now, the byproduct of all this Jesus-seeking is that we will find the kingdom of God in our hearts. We are comforted. We inherit the earth. We are satisfied. We receive mercy. (laughs) Not a bad Group of bonuses, eh? Now, all of this radical change, this is what it looks like to develop in Christ-likeness. This is what it looks like to be sanctified. And all of this that is happening by God's grace continues, not perfectly, And we'll never be finished this side of eternity, but it continues because Christ works in us. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion for the day of Christ Jesus. This process is all done by grace. God does not demand perfection from his children. He demands love. And this love begets, it produces, it it naturally spawns pureness of heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. 
and the child of God, those of us here who seek after this singleness of heart, a heart with one focus, a pure heart that remains so close to Jesus that his eyes shall be open to beholding God when everyone around us sees darkness. That is what will happen. We shall see God. But I wonder, do you believe this? I mean, have you ever wanted to see God? Have you ever thought, if I could only get a glimpse of Him, my doubts would vanish. I would have courage to stay pure. I would be willing to endure all my loneliness. Do you believe that the pure in heart will see God? My friends, the blessing upon blessing that is described in the Beatitudes is one only as the disciple is constantly looking to Jesus, seeks Jesus, runs to Jesus, hungers and thirsts and longs and strives to be close to Jesus. That is why we must seek Jesus who is the blessing. In fact, I would be so bold as to say that you should seek Jesus, not dieting. Seek Jesus, not healing. Seek Jesus, not financial security. Seek Jesus, not courage. Seek Jesus, not emotional uplifting. Seek Jesus, not health. Seek Jesus, not anything else. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Did you hear that? Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. All what things? All things that are necessary for you to live a God-honoring, Bible-believing, Christ-serving life. No matter what your circumstances, no matter how far away from blessing you think you are, seek Jesus. This is exactly the point of the sixth beatitude. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, purity of heart is seeking Jesus. Therefore, seek Jesus. Now, once again, don't bang your head against the wall to force purity in your heart. Simply put your heart full steam ahead towards Jesus, and it will be pure. Okay, so that begs two very important questions. We got this idea. We've got to seek Jesus. So two questions. The first one is, what does a heart full steam ahead look like? And then how do we get there? The first point, if you got your sermon notes in front of you, focus your attention on the things that last. I take this from Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Paul writes, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on things that are on earth. For, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in 
God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So, to start things off, how are we going to go about achieving this full steam ahead heart that's looking to Jesus? We have some basic instructions. Verses 1 and 2, once again. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are, on, that are above, not things that are on earth. Paul gives us a very clear command here. It's very simple. Seek the things above. If you are going to believe the promises of God, if you are going to believe the promises when it matters most, when you're staring bitterness right in the face, when you're dealing with covetousness right between your shoulder blades. When you have lust, you are going to have to look higher than those people who have wronged you. Then you're going to have to look higher than that toy you want. You need to look higher than the experience you just can't have. If all you look at are those things that can at best give momentary light pleasure then you will be disappointed and you won't trust your God through the affliction that envelops, that consumes all those things that are destined to be rust or dust. If, on the other hand, you set your minds on things above then the things you need down here, either won't seem as urgent or they won't seem as unobtainable. Don't mistake the point. Colossians 3 and 1 and 2 are commands that you need to obey. And fortunately, Paul gives us a clear promise that empowers, equips, enables your and my daily obedience to that command. What is it? Verses 3 and 4. For, obey this command. Why? How, Paul, can we obey it? For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. The answer to the need for obeying the commands of God found here in Colossians is that you and I, wait for it, need to seek Jesus. We need to seek Jesus who is purity of heart, who is poorness of spirit and all those beatitudes. Okay, Pastor Greg, so give me some real input on how I can do this today. I'm so glad you asked that. Wonderful question. Paul tells, tells you and I to focus on Jesus, which is, quote-unquote, where your life is hidden. Now, if the source of your life is invisible, we should not expect that the sustenance of our life would be visible either. Cars, trucks, houses, toys, none of these things will satisfy and all of them will one day melt away. But... When Christ does appear, then you and I and all who trust the promises of God for us in Christ, we will appear with him in glory. 
and all your wildest dreams will one day come true. Now, not the dreams of sex, drugs, and rock and roll, but the dreams behind those dreams, the dreams that make these false dreams look for the moment appetizing. Because there is a hole in your soul that needs satisfying. And chasing whatever flavor of dreams you prefer will not satisfy. There is only one place where you can find that satisfaction, and that place is a person. Those dreams will be fulfilled as you no longer look by faith, but by sight one day. And then you will see Jesus as more glorious than any movie star's multi-million dollar vacation. This week, as you go about your day, especially in those times when your mind is in neutral, you know, you're, you're fixing breakfast, you're combing your hair. Well, you know, some of you comb your hair. Whenever you're doing something that doesn't take focused mental energy, recall, recycle that energy by focusing it on Christ, thinking about Christ, praying to Him for blessing for the people you love. Now, I'm going to tell you a secret, okay? I don't, don't tell anybody this. This is just a secret between you and me. You're going to stink at it for a while. It's going to be hard, and you're not going to like it, and you're going to be frustrated because you're not perfect at it. Welcome to the real world. And welcome to the process that is through the power of the Holy Spirit working through your time and effort and grace as you seek Jesus, who is purity of heart. So, if bringing your mind back around to Jesus' greatness and seeking his blessing for those you love is what purity of heart looks like, then Peter gives us a very clear recipe for gaining that purity of heart. What is it? Obedience to truth. Peter says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another then earnestly from a pure heart. Of course, if you're going to obey the truth, that presumes that you know the truth. And knowing anything requires time and experience in that subject. And in the case of God's Word, that means you do the things that you've been hearing preachers preach sermons on for all your life. What is that? Reading God's Word, studying God's Word, meditating, memorizing God's Word, and interacting with good preaching and other things as well. This could mean you print out verses and you tape them to your steering wheel, and every time you get in and out of your car, you look at these verses for a week. It could mean printing them out and putting them on top of your alarm clock because then twice a day you're going to think about those verses. When you're oh, trying to reach it, oh yeah, I got a verse. Or at night when you're setting your alarm. Perhaps it could mean doing the fighter verses we do each week. By the way, this coming up fighter verse is Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For as by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no man may boast. 
for we are Christ's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Work on that verse. Work on those three verses this week because you cannot fail. If you are putting it in your mind, even if you don't have it word perfect, and yes, I memorized it in the NIV, not the ESV, so it didn't look like that. But if you do, you put God's word in your heart, it cannot fail to bless you. The point is, get into God's word. Take every opportunity you can. And when you do, when you are getting into God's word, you will be moving towards obedient to that word. You will be moving towards purity of heart. You will be moving towards Christ, which means you will see God better. Just like bank tellers who count millions of real dollars so that they can spot a counterfeit dollar in a second, when you spend time in God's word, you will know him. You will gain familiarity with God through his word and through his working in your life. That will enable you to see him when everyone else just sees darkness. This, this, my friends, is the greatest beauty of a pure heart. Seek Jesus who is purity of heart. We talked about at the beginning seeking, trusting promises of God that seemed ridiculous in the eyes of the world. And given how dark our world is becoming, we are apt to find that it will get increasingly more difficult to look good in the eyes of our neighbors as we follow Christ. Fortunately, Jesus has given us this book to read so that we can know him. And he has given us good friends who can encourage us as we follow Christ. But Joshua's ordeal in Jericho was a little different. So Jesus decided to meet him face to face. Before the battle in Joshua 5, when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Joshua literally took off his shoes because he saw Jesus. Perhaps it would be good for us to do the same as we go out and meet our spiritual adversaries. Take off our shoes for just a little bit of time so that we can stand on holy ground so that when we are out about in the world, people will see that we are seeking Jesus, that we are known and know God once we put our shoes back on and are walking around the city. Seek Jesus, who is purity of heart. Let's pray.
Oh God, once again we come before your word and we find that it is impossible to obey. We cannot, Lord, muster our own strength, our own desires to do this. But Lord, we depend upon you and we ask that your spirit, Lord Jesus, would fill us so that we would have a pure heart. Give us grace, Jesus. Help us to seek you and find you while we can. In Jesus' name, amen.